Yeah, open our Bibles to the book of uh, 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy, whichever you prefer. Do you want to send Oh, yeah, yeah, thank you. Um, Grammy just reminded me, if you have, if you're watching live and you send prayer requests in during the message, we'll pray for those at the end. If you're watching later on, we'll still add those things to our prayer list. Um, so keep those things. If you have prayer requests now, we'll pray for them at the end of the message. Otherwise, if you're on later, we'll, we'll get them later in the week. All right, 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 2. I was looking this morning. I wanted to get back into our study of 2 Timothy. Uh, I, I know that we're trying to be sensitive to um, to the virus and all the stuff that's going on, and we're being lambasted with news and lambasted with all kinds of things. At the same time, I wanted to be, I wanted to, I didn't want to get too far from the first half of the message before I got to the second half of the message. So I decided to go back to 2 Timothy. And this morning, I was sitting here trying to think, how can I relate this to what's going on right now? How am I going to, um, what do we, how do how do I make this really really relevant? Because he's talking about servants, and I hope you watched the video on on our church page this morning. At, I had it up about half past ten. If not, watch it after the message. Um, the, the wonderful song is called "Make Me a Servant Like You, Dear Lord." And in the background, there's all kinds of images of people help of, of people helping other people. And um, it's a beautiful, beautiful, uh, beautiful song. And I think it fits the context of this because we're talking this morning about this whole concept of, of, of being a servant and how we are to be a servant. Um, let me just read. Uh, but, but then this morning I was praying and looking. How do I make this? How do I make this apply? And a pastor friend posted the next passage of scripture on his Facebook timeline. And I think it really does it. So we're going to jump ahead to next week or the following week's message by looking at chapter 3. I want you to look at 2 Timothy chapter 3 because it's going to tell us why we're studying what we're studying this morning. All right? The verses are up on the board. That's what we're studying. But 2 Timothy 3 tells us why we're, why we're looking, why Paul wrote these words when he did. All right? He said this. But know this, in the last days, perilous times will come. I'm tempted to make a joke about perilous times. I hope they're not perilous times, but I'll, I'll avoid that. In the last days, perilous times will come. For men will be, look at this list, all right? Think about June the 7th, 2020. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, Proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God and having a form of godliness but but denying its power. That's coming. All right? Perilous times will come. And that is why Paul wrote what we're going to see today about being a servant. So jump back now with me to uh, verse uh, verse 20 of the previous chapter. Uh, we preached this two weeks ago and we, we focused on the first part of verse... Uh, we, well, we focused on verse 20. Uh, but in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and of clay. Some for honor and some for dishonor. We talked about two weeks ago how God uses everybody. God uses what seems to be valuable. God uses what seems to be the nicest things. God uses silver and gold and, and all those kind of vessels. But God also uses earthenware, pottery, clay.
clay clay jars and and he uses wooden vessels and and these guys would have thought about the wooden bowls they use for their meals and wooden utensils and wooden wooden drinking glasses and and they thought well but the truth of that was is that God can use anybody. Well, we pick up there this morning. Our prayer is that God would make us servants in this day. I honestly, I'll be 65 the day we go back to church. I'll be 65 years old. And I have never seen a day like this. I keep thinking back to 1968 when I was just a kid. And what that year was like. It was a, a disaster. I didn't know if the world would survive. A 13-year-old kid, I was panicked back in 1968. Um, Assassinations, lootings, riotings, um, Vietnam War going on and all that raging. And yet, I look today and it just seems like there's a whole different thing to this. There's a whole different, we're like a a tinderbox ready to explode. So we need to learn to be servants. As servants of God... We will make a difference in the world around us. Because as we learn to love God, as we learn to serve Him, not just sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world around us, but it changes our lives, and we as God's people should be making an impact on the world around us because of our testimony, because of our walk with God, because of our love with Him. So he says here, he starts at verse 21, If anybody cleanses himself, he will be a vessel for honor. All right? Paul says, if you're going to use the vessel, it's got to be clean. We don't use dirty dishes. We don't use dirty cutlery. We don't use any kind of dirty vessels in the house. We want them clean. So Paul says, if you clean yourself from from being a vessel of dishonor, he shall be a vessel for honor. And he starts out with this. We're going to look, first of all, the descriptions of servants. This is what servants... This is the the basic notion for being a servant. He says in verse, um, where is it? I'm sorry. He says in verse 21. First word he says is sanctified. Vital word. Sanctified sounds like one of those religious words, doesn't it? That we just kind of threw out there. Sanctified. It must be some theological term. I probably have to go to Bible college to understand sanctification. At least I have to have a theology course. To understand that sanctification. But you know what? It's more than just a word. Much more than that. Sanctification means that we are set apart. We're set apart in this sense, literally, we're set apart from the world unto Jesus. We're set apart from our sin unto God's holiness. It's a setting apart. It's a division. It's the same basic notion that we use for holiness. A dividing, a, a division between one thing and another. Where the old, where the old Hebrew word used for sanctification was the cutting edge of a knife because we're separated from one side to the other. And uh, a lot of examples of that. Uh, sanctification is, is, is a, there's three parts of sanctification. We were sanctified when Jesus saved us. We were set apart. We were cut aside from the world. All right? We got saved. All of a sudden, we became members of the family of God. 
and not part not part of the family of the devil. We were separate. Our lives were to be different, and that that initial sanctification also ensured that one day we would go to heaven. That was settled at the cross. That sanctification was settled when Jesus shed His blood for us. When we when we surrendered our lives to Him, when we admitted we were sinners, when we confessed our sins to Him, and accepted the free gift of salvation. And that was the beginning of our sanctification. And that is not going to change. We are sanctified. We're set apart. But there's also another part of sanctification. And this sanctification we call um, practical sanctification. Or progressive sanctification. And that is how we live our lives today. We were sanctified by Christ. But every day that we live, we should be more and more set apart from the world in our lives. Our lives are going to make a difference by the very fact that we've been sanctified by Christ and and we are being sanctified every day and we are to live lives that reflect our sanctification. Set apart by God to God. The first thing that has to happen if we're going to be a faithful servant is that we must be saved. We must have our sins forgiven and we must be striving to live for him. So the first thing is sanctification. And we also must be fit for the master's use. Uh, I love that phrase, fit for the master's use, by the very fact that when we got saved, we were fit for the master's use. He made us fit. There is not a Christian alive today who is not fit for the master's use. But that being fitted for for the master's use also means that we are practicing progressive sanctification. We are living for him. We keep our lives pure. We keep our hearts open. We keep our our spirits... Keep our spirits alive, I guess. We're set apart. We're fit for him. We don't dwell in sin. And we saw, we're going to see next week... The reason that we have to do this is because the world is so wicked. And we're seeing that all around us today. And then it says he's sanctified, he's useful for the master, and he's prepared for every good work. This concept of good work is vital. God's people are set apart to do good works. I grew up, no, I'll leave that. God wants us to be faithful servants for him. God wants us to be sharing the gospel with people around us. That is our purpose, is to see people saved. But God also wants us to do good works. That means that people around us are going to see a change in us. They're going to see us doing things that are the right things. They're going to see us loving people. They're going to see us standing up against injustice. They're going to see us standing up for what is right. They're going to see us taking a stand for the things of Christ and and, and standing taking a stand for doing that, doing the right things, we're going to be an obvious difference. Most of my friends for the last 12 weeks now that I've been seeing along the canal, and I have to ask myself, are they seeing a difference in my life? Am I doing good works that are obvious for the world to see? Jesus said, or Paul said when he wrote to the Ephesians, that we were saved. It was ordained before the foundation of the world that you and I would could, would do good works. And sometimes we get so restricted in our thinking that we think the only thing, the only good thing I have to do is tell people about Jesus. 
My goodness, folks, that is the most important thing we have to do. But our good works need to carry on. We need to love people. We need to be meeting needs. We need to be standing with those who are being abused by the world. We need to stand with what's right. We need to make a difference in the world because God has said that's what his servants are going to do. And if you have any doubt... Go back to chapter 3 and read the verses that say, this is why Paul says, this is why I'm saying these things. All right, we're prepared for good works. But then he gives a pattern for servants, um, a practical thing. Those are, the, those are what we need to be doing. Now it comes down to, he comes down to specifics. Flee youthful lust. Now Paul said that to Timothy because Timothy was a young man. And Timothy, as a young man, was beset with the same struggles, the same temptations, the same trials, the same thoughts, the same whatever, Paul, Timothy was struggling with him. So God says, you need to flee youthful lust. But that doesn't just mean it applies to young people. Because we as older people, people even my age, there are still things that go through my head through the same lust of the flesh that have been attacking my heart since the since I was 18 or younger. Paul says, not just to Timothy, but it's a double meaning. Those of us who are older and more mature should be dead sure that we're fleeing those youthful lusts. You know the story of um, uh, Joseph in Potiphar's house when Potiphar's wife was trying to seduce him and he said he wouldn't do it and he, she tried and tried and tried and finally one day she grabbed him and tried to drag him into her bed and, 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 and uh, Joseph let, let her pull his cloak off, his coat off as the Bible says he fled from that sin. We cannot be dallying with those lusts and it's so easy. It's all over the place. We can't even we can't play games with that. We flee youthful lust. But then he says, here's some things we're supposed to follow. These are things that we are supposed to be chasing after. Just like the typical picture of a young lost man chasing after his fun and his lust, and and, and we are to be chasing after something else. We're to be chasing after righteousness, doing the right thing. We were declared right that salvation. Not only were we sanctified, but we are also declared righteous. But we need to be living right lives today. We keep we we tend to keep our church living in church or in our house. We do right. We go to church, and everything is hunky dory. Uh, we're not doing that now, but. Paul says here that we need to live righteous lives. Lives that stand up for right and stand against what is wrong. That's our public duty. That's what Christians do. We stand up for right and we stand against what is wrong. And I wasn't going to mention this, but right now, racism has been a curse on man since day one. We're always going to be infected by that terrible, horrible sin, no matter what culture you live in. But today, people are standing up against that insidious sin. And it, we would not be, we're not amiss when we take this chance to condemn racism. To condemn racism against any, any, anybody who is subjected to the victim of being a from, from the, from the victim but by that sin. We can't allow it to be part of our lives. We can't excuse it. We can't condone it. And we can't ignore it. 
Because that is an, an, an example of unrighteousness. And we need to be careful, we need to be sensitive that this sin is out there. I, we, we as Christians can, cannot ignore this. We need to pray for God's wisdom and we need to stand against that particular sin today. We're also to be chasing after faith, trusting God in every situation. Can, can anybody believe the year 2020? I, I mean, it, who knows what's happening next? There's a big asteroid going to fly by next week. It would be just like it for the asteroid to nick off of Earth or something. It's coming by. It's going to be one a close pass by this massive asteroid. Who knows the way this year is going? But you know what? We need to have faith through these crises. We need to have faith through illnesses. We need to have faith through turmoil. We need to have faith through economic crisis. We need to be able to trust God in all these situations and not be panicked, not be cast aside. Keep on going by because we have the faith to trust God. Also, we're also to be marked by love. When asked what the great commandment was, Jesus said, love God and love each other. That I just summarized it. Love God and love each other. Love does not tolerate injustice. Love does not tolerate no love. Love doesn't make excuses for sin by political leaders or by governments or by anything else. Love does not allow make allowance for that. Love means that we love. And that is the greatest weapon we're going to have is the weapon of love. We need to love without reservation. There's a verse I read this week on one of my devotions that said, let your love be without, uh, the old King James word is dissimulation. It means without, um, without any diffusion. Don't, don't let your love be diffused. Chase after love. We can't just sit back and say, well, I'm a Christian. I'm going to love because I'm a Christian. No, we have to chase after love and righteousness and faith. And the last thing he says is, is to pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. We need to be people of peace. There's never room for violence amongst God's people. There's never room for hatred. There's never room for 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 violent behavior. We chase after peace. We chase after righteousness. We face after faith. We chase after love. We faith chase after faith, and we do all those things um, with. We, we join together. That's what church is all about with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. It needs to be our unified effort. If we're going to make a change in this world, it's going to be as we come together in righteousness and faith and love and peace. And we come together as a church. We come together as the body of Christ. And the body of Christ acts. The hands reach out to help people. The eyes see the needs that are out there. The feet go to those who are in trouble. We we don't just sit back in our easy chair, even during isolation, and take things easy. We chase after these things. We do it as an army. Oh, church, arise. And we need to be out. our, Our goal is to see people saved and to do what is right and to not rage against the people caught in their sin, but to rage against Satan himself. That is our task. 
past. That's what servants do. They reach out. They meet needs. We should be the first ones on scene when there's a disaster where needs are, where, where there are needs. Times like this, we need to be the ones who are manning the food banks and t- making sure people get fed and making sure our, our money goes out to help people in need. We need to be the ones who are standing for what's right. Not because it's going to save us, because good works are a result of our sanctification. How are we doing this year? Do people see, I man, I, I would love to see 2020 passed as the year where the world says those Christians were really something, weren't they? But we're failing as a as a church. If you read new comments, the world thinks that for the most part thinks that we are a miserable lot because we don't act in love. Because we don't respond in love. Because we're not meeting needs. We need to change that whole testimony. And the reason is, as we're going to see next week, because all those bad things are coming. Serving the Lord, what else do we have to do? Don't strive. Don't get involved in fights. Don't get involved. Don't be drawn in, Roger. Don't do it. No matter how smart you think you are or how you feel, don't be drawn into those fights. Not quarrel. He says, be gentle to everybody. Gentleness. Did you hear that? Gentleness. Be gentle. Does that sound like some of the fighting Christians that you hear that you know of who are always looking to pick a fight? Who are always looking to shout people down? No wonder people turn against God when they see Christians fighting and screaming and I saw, I saw, I saw Christians on my Facebook, professed Christians on my Facebook feed this week, praising violence. How in the world are we supposed to stand for what's right? Gentleness, gentleness. Be gentle to all. That ought to be our nature. Apt to teach. That means we don't just yell at somebody about godly things. We stop. We pray for the Holy Spirit's guidance and we teach the truths of God's word to those who are hearing us. I, I mean, I, as you know, Mary and I, I, we would both identify ourselves as teachers. I believe God has given us the gift of teaching, but you don't have to have the gift of teaching as a special gift to teach. It takes teaching, takes patience. It takes love. It takes wisdom. It takes not being offended. Be apt to teach. And then be patient. The servant of the Lord must be must not quarrel, but be gentle to all. Must be apt to teach. He must be patient. My goodness, when I think about the patience of God working in my life, it literally boggles the mind when I see how patient. God has been with me. We can't expect immediate miracles. We can't expect we can't expect people that we're working with and that we're teaching, we're trying to instruct to change immediately. God says be patient. But behind that patience, okay? Behind that patience there is a gentleness. There is a teaching, not a condemning spirit. There is Love and faith and peace and righteousness. And then in verse 25, not only is that, there is to be humility and meekness. 
correcting those who are in opposition in 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 humility i been around a while and i've seen too many people including this preacher right here who thinks so much that I, that i know what's best that we know what's best that there is not a iota of gentleness in our lives teach with meekness and humility we humbly correct those who are in opposition First of my devotions this week was talking about it when our brother falls. <coughs> and the point there was is that we, rather than condemn him, we try to lift him up as a brother. Do you see the spirit of a servant here? Do you see this? I mean, do you see all the words that are talked about here? Flee your sins, run after righteousness, chase faith, chase love, chase peace, do it together, avoid stupid arguments. All they do is cause fights. The servant of the Lord, the, if we want to be a servant, we must not be we're not prone to quarrel. Be gentle to all. Be ready to teach. Be patient and be humble. And we finish with this. And this is the preparation for next week. If God perhaps, we don't know who is going to be saved, but if God perhaps would grant them repentance so that they may know the truth, and they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. We live in a world that is trapped in the devil's snare. We don't talk about him too much. He's not very politically correct. He's not very um, on form. But the devil's out there, and the devil has the world caught in his hands. We need to remember, guys, that there is a spiritual warfare going on. And you, you don't think, you don't think the devil is delighted with the situation of the world around us right now? He must be overjoyed. We're bickering, we're fighting, we're arguing over everything that comes up. I think social media can be used of God in a great way, but social media can also be one of the most destructive things on the face of the earth. In some ways, it's one of the worst things that's ever happened because it seems to engender strife. But what if we change things? What if those of us who are saved, we clean our, we clean our lives. What happens if we say we're prepared to do good work? What happens if we're constantly seeking to do good what happens if we run away from the youthful lust that control us and run after righteousness? We run after faith. We're chasing after love. We're chasing after peace along with the rest of the church. We stop these stupid arguments. All they do is cause trouble, not quarrel. What if we were gentle? What if we were prone to teach instead of condemn or to convince to our point of view? What if we were patient? What if we were humble? Well, Paul tells us what if. Because God might grant them repentance as well. That they might know the truth of God. That's our desire. Next week, God willing, we're going to look at the things. Why Paul writes this. Because he's going to go on to describe what the world was like. And this is preparation for the next part of the, of the, of the letter here. I love the phrase here. That they might, those who are captive 
of Satan's will. Those who are captive to his plan. Those who, are, those who act in violence, those who act in wickedness, they're caught in his snap. That's why we don't rage against the one who's captive, but we rage against the captor. The people who are acting in sin, they are not our enemy. They're in slavery to the enemy, and our desire is to see them slay, to see them delivered from their captivity, to see them turned to God. It is our prayer, it's our desire that the people that we encounter would repent, that they would know the truth of God's word, and they might come to their senses. Guys, we are called to be. God's servant. Yeah, yeah. We we first thing that we have to do. We need to be sanctified. We need to make sure our salvation is secure. We need the the only hope for the beginning of this, as the last part of the verse says, is that they might come to repentance. We want the rest of the world to be saved, but we're only going to do that as we follow the examples for servanthood. It sounds like I'm beating a dead horse. What are the examples for servanthood? I'm going to do them one more time, and I won't do them again. We, 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 we plan, we look to do good works. We flee the lust of our flesh. We run after righteousness. We run after faith. We run after love. We run after peace. We do it as one body for those who call upon the Lord in pure hearts. We avoid stupid arguments. They always generate strife. We must not quarrel. We are to be gentle. We're to be teaching, we're, we're to be patient, and we're to do it humbly. We, but you know what it says here? We humbly correct those in opposition. We can't just let it go. We, with humility, expose sin. With humility, we point out the errors in people's lives, that they're sinners who need Christ. Because who knows? That mom or dad or brother or sister or nephew or cousin, that granny or granddad, that child, that erring child, that neighbor, that person you know from your walks, that atheist you might know who claims they hate God, who knows? Because perhaps that's the person that God wants to grant repentance. We want them to come to know the truth. We want them to come to their senses. We want them to be freed from the devil's snare because they are in captivity. Make me a servant, Lord. I wish I'd written those words down now so I could have quoted it. It's in the song I put up on the the church page. Make me a a servant, Lord. And a lot of the words there, humble and meek, willing to serve, willing to help others. Will we be the kind of servants that God wants us to be? Lord, make me a servant today so that we can see those who are trapped in their sin come to know Jesus as their Savior. All right. We have some prayer requests, I think, that came in during the message. (coughs) Um, I'll mention those to you here and then we'll pray for them. Pray for um, Pastor Zemeski's colon surgery he'll be having in the next few days. Holly's sister Hannah is on a mission trip to Alaska. Pray for Holly's mom, Debbie, and um, the physical needs she's got, and her granddad's health. Pray for... Holly's health. Oh, yes, Holly's health, too. You must, most of you know Holly's been struggling with her health the last week or so, week and a half, two weeks maybe. So pray for Holly's health. Pray 
for wisdom and safety with all this protest and the racial violence that's taking place. There's no excuse for it. It is, as we said today, it is sin. And we need to be the right examples. Pray for wisdom for those who who are who are protesting. Pray they'd be peaceful. Because it's that peaceful demonstration that's going to make a difference. Martin Luther King made a difference because he was peaceful. Mahatma Gandhi changed India because he led peaceful protest. So let's pray. Peace is going to make the difference, guys. Pray for peace. Pray for the believers in northern Nigeria. I appreciate that. Um, Under incredible persecution, they're being martyred daily. Uh, COVID-19 is still affecting the country dramatically. It's just unbelievable. Pray for the believers and pray for the country of Nigeria. For those who don't know, it's a divided country. Um, The north is mostly Muslim. The south is mostly Christian. Uh, Those in the north suffer serious, serious persecution. And there's a tropical storm um, in America. Uh, I think it's supposed to hit the southeast or the Gulf of Mexico today. Cristobal is the name of the storm. It could change it to a hurricane. Pray for protection. Pray for the um, post-COVID-19 changes taking place in the various states as well as here. Um, Darlene asked us to pray for her unsafe family and those who are away from God, that we'd be the kind of witnesses that we need to be. Is that it? Okay, let's pray. Jot these things down. Um, We'll be adding these to our church prayer list. If you don't get our church prayer list on WhatsApp, let me know. We'll send a copy of what we as a church are praying for. We'll send that out to you, and you can pray with us. And if you're free on on Wednesdays at half past seven um, Irish time, which is half past two Eastern time, and half past one central time. We'd love to have you. We'll send you an invite. It'll be on our Facebook page. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. Thank you for um, your word, Lord. And I pray that we would be servants that are not just Christians who are content to sit back and wait for the rapture. That's not what we're meant to do. We are meant to be servants. Lord, we're meant to realize that there are people trapped in their sins. Satan's got them. And Lord, we need to be living the kind of lives and testimonies that are talked about here so that we can see them delivered from their sin and come to repentance. I pray for Pastor Zemeski and his colon surgery coming up um, in the next few days, I think it is. Pray for Holly's health as she's been struggling with um, health issues about the last month. Take care of her. I pray for her sister Hannah. She's on a mission trip to Alaska. Help her to be a blessing and to be blessed by the trip. Pray for Debbie um, and her health and her and Holly's granddad as well for health issues that they're facing. Please work in their lives. We pray for Lord wisdom and protection, Lord, with all the violence and all the things that are going on, Lord. I pray that the protest, Lord, which um, have a have a Lord have a, have a, have a, something that needs to be dealt with, and I pray, Lord, that they'd be peaceful. And there'd be real change made because of the peaceful protest. Lord, protect everybody from the violence that is taking place. I watch the violence, Lord, and I see so often the violence is against those who can least afford the violence. Against their neighbors and their friends. Who, Lord, it's just the evil in this world, as we're going to see next week, is rampant. So, Lord, I pray that you'd please protect people from the violence. Pray for northern Nigeria persecution 
not just one or two martyrs, but hundreds of Christians who are being martyred for their faith. Lord, the country is being affected by COVID, and um, but yet things continue on. Please protect the believers in that country and in the persecution through the rest of the world. Lord, as this tropical storm approaches the American coast, Lord, keep pray for those who are in the path of it. Help them to be wise about, Lord, what they need to do to get through the storm. I pray for all of us, Lord, all over the world who are coming through the, the COVID situation. As we're trying to come out of it, give states, Lord, give governments, give leaders in the various states. Lord, give the leaders of our country wisdom as we continue to move forward. Help people not to be idiots about coming out of this thing, um, Lord, but to realize that the danger is still there. We pray for wisdom there. Um, we pray for Darlene Asketh to pray for her unsafe family members to be saved. And Lord, there are those who are away from God who need to turn back to you. Thank you again for our time together, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Yeah, went away. What? Facebook Live. I just canceled it. No, it was went away before that. I had it ready to send a message to you. God willing and all going well. And you love potatoes today, Mom? Yes. Yeah. Stop this.